This is Authentically Erica with Erica Thomas, and we are living from the inside out, partnering with God to live authentically in all of who he created us to be. Thank you, thank you, thank you all. This is a new episode of Authentically Erica with Erica Thomas, and I have with me today, Miss Vita Green, all the way in Miramar, Florida. Thank you so much for moving down south, Vita, so I can have one of my sisters near me. I had the opportunity of meeting Vita with some of my other sisters at the retreat that we spent time in this past June. And it was such a pleasure. And I remember when I first released the advertisement for the podcast in the comments, Vita was like, I got to be on the show. And I was like, okay. All right, then, because at the time it wasn't really a show yet because I still hadn't learned how to how to record nothing. So now that we up and running, I want to introduce to some and present to others, Miss Vita Green. Now, Vita, go ahead and introduce yourself to the people. Well, hello, 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 Erica. Thank you so much for allowing me the opportunity to spend some time with you and to share my story or share some thoughts or whatever the Holy Spirit leads me to share. I am Vita Green and I am, wow, how do I introduce myself? Oh, goodness, that always gets me because I always want to start out with you know, I'm a mom of three and a former teacher and all these things that are roles. But in actuality, um, I am just God's mouthpiece. I have been um, appointed by God to share the message with parents about raising children and, and loving them the way God loves us. So um, everything is new for me. This is all new. So I have been living here in Florida with you, my sister. I just moved here about six weeks ago and I love it. It's um, everything I expected it to be. The heat and all coming from Virginia. <laughs> Being uh, <cold>. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they're already starting to get fall weather, you know, so here I forget that tomorrow is actually the first day of fall and it's like, Oh, I still have my flip flops. So I <laughs> <Right>. love it. <laughs> right. I had the opportunity recently, uh, I think it was either last month or the month before, when our mentor came down to visit. You and I went to see her because she was in South Florida. So you and I met her there. Mm -hmm. And this was probably the first time that I ever heard your story, at least parts of it and I mean I was blown away I was so moved because it was just it was so first of all authentic but it was coming from a place that I hadn't walked through before especially when it came in the essence of religion and having this relationship with God and coming from that place and even just the, the path that you've taken and what that looks like and even to, to now, I mean, I was blown away. I'm sitting there with my mouth open like, you heard? Like, all is done transparent? You still yeah. here, girl? Like, that kind of, <laughs> <laughs> that was kind of my, my thinking. So, you know, when you did mention about being on a podcast, this was prior. That was mm -hmm. prior. So I had no clue. 
I had right. no clue what that was going to look like. But when you did share that, it really did touch me and it offered clarity to me, even mm. in my own relationship. Because sometimes you kind of walk through things or you walk through things with God and you're kind of questioning some things like, is this really the right way? Is this the way kind of thing? So for him to take you on such a dramatic and transformational uh-huh. journey in such a short period of time, I was like, okay, God, I, I see. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, <laughs> when, when, when I saw your post about the podcast, like you said, I had no idea what it was about. I just know you're my sister. And I was like, I want to support you. I want to, um, what it, Whatever the platform is, you put it out there. I'm there for you know for you. And um, when I found out that the the podcast was about living from the inside out, it, it it was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. And my story, oh my gosh, I can't even tell it all. I can't tell it all. I don't even have enough time in this podcast to tell it all. But what I do know is that. When the when the Bible says, um, so if the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. And I I heard that, you know, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And, you know, we, we say those scriptures and we, we look at the life of Jesus and we saw all the things that he did. But everything that Jesus did pointed to freedom, the freedom yeah. in him. Yeah. So I'm. Um, Oh my gosh. Well, I'm not who I thought I was supposed to be over the past five or six years. um, God has revealed myself to me and my whole, my whole life I've grown up. I, I grew up in church, um, very, I mean, since the, uh, as far back as I can remember, I've been in church my whole life. And my mom often tells a story of me having to say this Easter poem when I was three. <laughs> and I, I didn't want to say it. And I just stood up there in front of the whole church holding this tulip in my hand. And when my sister came up to get me, to lead me down off the stage because I wasn't saying anything, my mother says I snatched away from her and I ran back up to the stage and I turned around and I said, this pretty tulip helps me to say we're glad we're glad it's Easter day. And then the whole church was like, amen, you know, and although I don't distinctly remember all of it, I do vaguely remember that I've been in church for that long. And now tomorrow's my birthday. I'll be 51. Yay, birthdays. So I know that church has been um, an integral part of my development in making me who I thought I was supposed to be. And church, we think it was supposed to help us establish who we are in, in Christ or in God, but it doesn't do that all the time. Because there are different doctrines and beliefs and opinions and preferences and prejudices that are given to you as you're growing in in this particular denomination. And I grew up always having 
to do things the right way in the right order. And when I didn't do those things the right way or in the right order, I often carried a lot of guilt. You know, there was a checklist of things that we had to do. And I remember sharing this story, this part of the the story with you when you were here. I always felt like I was in this line, this long line with humanity. And Jesus was in the front of the line. And every time I would do something right, I would get to move up a step. You know, if I was obedient to my mom, I got to move up a step. If I didn't yield to the temptations of whatever the temptation was, I got to move up a step. And I would get to the very front, almost like three or four steps up. And I could see Jesus. I could see his light. I could see his crown. It was bright. And I could, I was like, oh, yes, yes, yes. I got a couple more right things to do before I can get to Jesus. And I would get a tap on my shoulder and this temptation would show up and it would be a good temptation, something that I wanted. So I would go and do this thing. And when I turned back around to get back in line, my space was gone and I had to walk all the way back. And when I turned around, the line was the line of humanity. I had to go all the way back to the back of all the people in the world and work my way back up to Jesus. And I would do it. And I would get about three steps away from Jesus again. (laughs) (laughs) And something would turn my attention and I would lose my place in line again. And I felt like every time the pastor would open the doors of the church, I would be the first one down at the altar asking God to forgive me and please help me to get back on the right track and do the right thing and forgive me. It was just, and it became tiring. It became so tiring that I just, I just gave up. It was, you know what, Lord, I can distinctly remember telling God I'm done. If you want to save me, you got to come save me because I'm tired of chasing you. I'm tired of doing these things that people have said that your word says. It wasn't that they were bad things or wrong things. I wasn't being led astray. It just, it wasn't leading me into relationship with God. It was supporting religiosity in God and and, and salvation by works and righteousness by works. And, And whenever you have this mindset of righteousness by works, you can never get it right enough to get righteousness. So (laughs) all of these years, I have tried so hard, prayed so hard, followed all the rules, did the right thing. And I'm not saying that I didn't commit sin or didn't make mistakes or anything like that. But even in making those mistakes, I would hide them. I would hide those mistakes. I would ask God for forgiveness, of course. But I couldn't let anybody know that I had done these evil, wicked, wrong things. So I always felt like I was by myself and that God, I couldn't perform well enough for God to bless me. I couldn't perform well enough. I couldn't get enough things right on the test to get the gold star from God. It was horrible. <laughs> it sounds exhausting. <laughs> it was exhausting. But on the outside. It was perfect. I was married. I married my high school sweetheart. We had three children and we went to church faithfully. He was a leader in church. I was a leader in church. Our children were well-mannered, well-dressed. You would come to our home. It was peaceful. It was nice. We would counsel other young, you know, couples on marriage. It was, 
It was perfect. And in that marriage, I always felt like I was the prodigal. I would often compare our marriage to the story of the prodigal son. My husband at the time stayed home. He was good. He was faithful. He served in the church. He was, he was committed. He was reliable. He was Johnny on the spot to do the things that needed to be done. He was an elder, um, the music director. And everybody looked at him with, this guy is great. And you got a good deal, Vina. You got the best. You got the cream of the crop of all the men in this faith. Because we had to marry within the faith. We couldn't marry outside of our faith. We could have. But it wasn't supported. It wasn't encouraged. So the the thing was to marry in the faith. And of all the men that you could marry within this faith, you got a good one. So I often felt like the prodigal because everything that the church told me I shouldn't do, I wanted to do. (laughs) I wanted to I wanted to wear makeup. I saw Mary Kay was very successful, drove the car, had a team, was a director, you know, but I was selling makeup and I often got looked at with the side eye, like why your lips red or why your nails red or I wanted to wear jewelry. Oh, I love jewelry. I just I just loved it. I wanted to wear it, Um, but not, you know, it wasn't gaudy jewelry. It was just I wanted a wedding band. I never had a wedding band. I wanted little diamond stud earrings. I didn't want a lot. But I was like, something wrong with me because I want to wear this, this jewelry. Something's wrong with me because I want to have a glass of wine. I love to dance, Erica. Girl, I love me some dance music. I love to dance. But growing up in church, secular music, dancing. I wanted to be a dancer since I was three. I knew I always wanted to be a dancer, but it wasn't supported. So for me to take dance lessons or be on the dance team in school, or in the band, or anything like that. I couldn't. I couldn't be a dance girl or anything because of the Sabbath. We were Sabbath keepers, so every football game is on Friday night. So there was no being in the band and being the dance girl. There was no um, opportunities like that. So I put away that dream of being a dancer. Like I just would watch Alvin Ailey on TV or... Every time I could catch somebody dancing, I would watch it. it, it but it, I felt so guilty because I wanted these things. But being taught that these things weren't right made me feel like I couldn't win. So I was a prodigal. I left home, took all my father's gifts that he gave me, all of his talents, all of everything that he blessed me with. I squandered it away. But my husband at the time, he stayed home. He was the good son. He stayed with the father. So I often felt like there was no way for me to make it. I, I knew Jesus died for me. I knew he, you know, I could go to heaven through Jesus. I understood that. But between the cross and heaven, it was like this life. How am I going to get there? It wasn't just accepting Christ as my savior and accepting the gift of salvation and boom, I'm saved. It wasn't like that. It was you get baptized and then you walk out this life that will allow you to hear. Well done, my good and faithful servant, you know? 
And I was like, Lord, I ain't going to never hear that. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm not going to ever hear that, Lord. I'm just out here. And, and the crazy part, Erica, is that I wasn't doing, wasn't doing crazy stuff. You know, I wasn't selling my body or I wasn't on drugs. I wasn't, I wasn't living a wild, crazy life. I was trapped inside of myself with chaos and with bondage. And it almost felt like, well, shoot, I should just be on out here doing the wild things. And at least when I get my ticket to hell, it'll be for something worth going. I'm riding on the train to hell and, and, and coach, let me go first class if I'm going to go. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I was afraid to get a first class ticket. So I was in coach lost. And then in the, in my life in bondage, unhappy. The best way I can describe it is I maintain external peace with internal chaos. Like, oh, Lord. Flesh and blood <laughs> didn't reveal that to you. Mm-mm. good. Yes, he is. So when I tell you all of this transpired, I was just tired. So I just stopped going to church. I just stopped. I was like, I'm, I'm done. Whatever. And then the crazy part is I wasn't, I didn't go from going to church to being wow. I just wasn't going to church. I just would stay home from church. And then, you know, that would be it. It wasn't like I was staying home from church and <laughs> going out and getting, you know, it wasn't anything like that. But it was just that I, I felt the need to just halt everything. And I can remember wanting to take my own life in 2014. Now, Eric, I knew I wasn't because that wasn't me. Like, I'm optimistic. I'm happy go lucky. I'm, you know, I'm like, okay, yeah, this I'm not going to take my own life. But it was so much depression on me and so much sadness and bondage that I was like, this must be the way to to go out because I, I can't keep doing this. And that's when the Lord delivered me. He put me to sleep like I can. I feel like I felt like Adam when Adam after the world was created and everything, he was looking around for his partner. It was like, the Lord was like, okay, go to sleep. And you put him into a deep sleep. That's how I felt. It was this deep sleep. And when I woke up, God told me to write these things down. And he told me why my name is Vita. He said, your mom didn't name you Vita. I did. Your name means wisdom and it means knowledge. He told me about my birthday, 921. Both numbers are divisible by three. That's because within you is the father, the son, and the Holy Spirit. He told me my birth flower is the aster. He said, that is a star. He said, I led the wise men to Jesus with the star. I'm going to use you to lead people to my kingdom. You are my star. And all of these things he was saying to me, and I, and I can't find the letter to this day. I don't know where it is, um, but I wrote all these things down. Before we get to this part, mm-hmm. there's a part that you describe and And it just resonated with me as a person, me and my relationship. But it also what Holy Spirit is speaking to me now is Mm -hmm. there are people that will be listening to this and they are right now where you were, like Mm -hmm. at this moment. Mm -hmm. They're Mm -hmm. listening Mm -hmm. to this and they're at this moment 
And you talked about the Lord put you to sleep, but you kind of described it in a symbolic way. If you can just go back to that day, that moment, and give a little bit more detail of what that actually looked like as you walked that through and then how the Lord came in and delivered you. Because I think that's going to be important as Mm -hmm. we transition, but it's also important for those who are listening who are literally at this point. Okay. It was August 8th, 2014. It was a Friday. And I felt like I had done everything right in my life. I mean, not not perfect, but, you know, I'd gone through my life and I was doing the right thing and I was going faithfully to church. And, and I felt like I just couldn't make any headway. No connection to God, all the stuff that I was doing in my praying and in my church going in, but I was lost. I was empty inside. I was dark. My eyes, I can, there are pictures of me from before and now I can look at my own eyes and see that I was dying. I felt my life energy leaving my body. And I remember saying that. I remember telling my therapist at the time, I was like, I'm dying and it's not cancer. It's not, it's not disease. I literally felt like energy. My life was leaving me and I couldn't get it back. I was trying. I was, like I said, I was going to church and I was trying, I was being a good mother and a good wife and I'm going and, and, and doing all the right things. And I literally felt like the breath was being sucked out of my body in everything I did. And on that day, it was summer, it was hot. We were, I was out of school because I was a school teacher at the time. My kids were in the house. And as I'm laying in my bed, I I literally, I would, before this point, I would go to work come home, feed my children, do homework, clean up, lay their clothes out, pack their lunch and get in the bed. Like I had no life outside of the things that I knew I had to do in order to function in the world. And I would get up, get dressed, go to work the next day. So I was just in this cycle of functioning. I was existing, but I wasn't living. So that's why I was trying to do things like travel or, you know, write a book or live my dream. And I just kept trying to reach out of that um, hamster wheel because I knew I was called for something. I knew I was created for something better. Not that teaching is a bad thing. If you're a teacher and you listen to this, that's not what I'm saying. It's not the occupation. It's whatever you're doing. If you're a teacher, you're a doctor, you could be a dancer. But if you're doing something that, you know, you're just doing it day by day by day, but you know that feeling inside of you is pulling you higher, but you can't get there. That's how I felt. And I was like, Lord, this this cannot be how my life is supposed to be. So I'm laying in the bed and I'm talking to him and I'm crying. I'm on medicine. I'm going to therapy. I'm doing all the stuff, but I'm still empty. I'm still broken. I'm still sad. I'm still lost. And that's when I was like, I give up. I give up. The whole, but if you take your own life, you're not going to go to heaven thing. All of that stuff went through my head. And God Literally, I could see suicide written on my walls in my bedroom. And suicide has a putrid smell. It stinks. It's, it's, it's horrible. And I could hear it. It was like a, 
It was like a cold wind in my room. And it was August. And like I said, I was functioning on the outside, but on the inside, chaotic. And I'm laying in my bed and I'm like, I know this is a demon. I know that this is not. I knew who God was. And I did did not want my children's story to be my mother took her life when we were outside playing or my mother. We came in the house to eat lunch and my mother was dead. Like I did. I knew I did not want that to be their story because my children are crucial, (laughs) important. Their lives matter so much to me. And I was. I was at a point, I felt like of no return, but I felt like it was the point of return, if that makes sense. It was like a pivotal point. And I was like, you got to save me. And I knew, like I said, I had no gun in my house. I had no pills in my house. I had no way of even taking my own life. I had had to get up out the bed and go find something. And I wasn't getting up out of the bed because I I just wasn't getting up. (laughs) You know, so it was at that moment when I felt sleep just heavy on me. And when I woke up, I was in a puddle of sweat. Like my eyes sweated out. Like it was like I'd been working out for hours. And that's when God was like, I, I, I created you for a purpose. And that's when he told me all those things about me. And the life from 2014, 15, to now, <laughs> I am not the same person. Like I, I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Um, I walked through a soul shifting work that really literally took me from the inside of myself to the outside. I have met amazing people who have shown me what a true relationship with God looks like. And then I learned that it is the power of the Holy Spirit that gives me abundant life. It's nothing that I do. I simply receive the gift of salvation, receive the spirit, the baptism of the spirit, to be filled with the Holy Spirit in this temple, and then to listen to his voice as he gives me direction, gives me instruction. And when I am willing and I am obedient, he promises that I will eat the good of the land. In the past five years, I have eaten the good of the land. (laughs) I love that you got to this place that you knew that the only way you can see this through or get to the other side was through him. And you, it's like you drew a line in the sand that if it's, if you don't do it, Mm -hmm. it's not going to happen. And he showed up and he confirmed to you He shared with you, he said who you were. He said, your name means this. You were born on this day because of this reason. This is the the your birth flower because of this reason, because of the the who who he made you to be when you were in his heart from the foundation of the world. Exactly. And I think it's so important that people understand that where God is taking us in now is he's taking us back. He's saying, hey, this is who I've called you to be. I know you went through life and you had this understanding and that understanding, but some people are afraid of letting go of what they currently have in order to see what it is. His original intent 
Mm-hmm. That, that's why it was so important to me that he started speaking to me about this authenticity, this authentic living, this authentic life, authentically who he made me. I didn't understand that back in January when, you know, I, he gave me authentically Erica, but I put it on the shelf. I was like, I don't really know what that mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to leave that there till he gives me understanding. But over the course of this year so far he's been unraveling all of this he's saying like you Vita I put dance in you mm-hmm. it, it's mm-hmm. not just a desire it's a part of who you are and to to know that that was kind of snuffed out all those years so I want to give you the opportunity to kind of just share with someone like I said who's listening who's at that point like how would you encourage them in and where you are now to where where you've come from while you were talking I was just my my knees would just shake my leg was shaking because I was like oh my (laughs) goodness yes the it's this sense of authenticity that the world has built that is nothing in alignment with what authenticity means with God yes yes so that giving up what you have built yourself or what other people have built to say, this is who you are, or this is authentically you, um, it takes courage. In 2017, I separated from my husband. We are now since divorced. And that I never imagined in my whole life that I would ever be divorced. Like I recall writing in my journal at 12, I will never get a divorce because I was raised by a single mother. So when it presented itself, when the authentic Vita showed up, see, because I was somebody else throughout my whole life, even when I met my high school sweetheart and married him in my mind at 16, 17, I married him in my mind. So I didn't give anybody, any other boy, another chance to even get close to, you know, me. So I had become this person and parents don't realize they're doing it to their children. They just want to give their kids the absolute best. They want to prevent them from experiencing the hardship or heartache that they experience. They look at their kids. They think, oh, you're going to be more successful than I was. You're going to have a better life than I did. And so we start to pour into those kids, those things and those dreams and those hopes that maybe out that we didn't accomplish or that someone told us that we could have. And Before I knew it, I had become everything that everyone else believed me to be. And that's nothing. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing, parents or or moms or dads. I'm not. But what I'm saying is I had stepped into this suit that was designed and the pattern was cut out and it was stitched and sewn and it was altered by someone else, by the world. So I'm walking around wearing this suit that everybody sees as beautiful. It's gorgeous. It fits me on the outside, but on the inside it's itchy or, you know, some part it's like it's tight some in some places, but you can't tell from the outside that that suit doesn't fit me. It looks perfect. It's the color is right against my skin, you know, it's tailored and it fits. But inside it's uncomfortable. 
So I had lived that life of the performing Vita, the being the best at everything, the, you know, you can't lose, you can be whatever you want to be, all of that. And I got to the point where I'm looking at this person in the mirror in this suit and I'm like, who is this? Who is this? And when I finally got the courage, because it takes courage. But the courage doesn't come from you. The courage didn't come from me. The courage came from conversations with the creator. So as he's talking to me and he's telling me, this is who you are. This is who you aren't. This is what I want you to do. This is what I don't want you to do. And when it even got down to separate and divorce, I was like, huh? (laughs) Because marriage is God's you know, everything. He gave Adam and Eve and the garden and da-da-da-da. So I'm like, no, wait, wait a minute. This not what, no, wait, what? But I could not be authentically myself in the marriage that I was in because the manufactured Vita got married, not the authentic Vita. So it has nothing to do with my former husband and it was anything like that. It was when I took off that suit And I realized I was already clothed underneath. That is what caused me to step into, oh, okay, Lord, what are we doing next? You need me. You need my instructions. You need my word. It it wasn't about a preacher standing in the front preaching to me and telling me. I had to get into the word for myself. And I just got to tell y'all, this is how I do it every day. This is my, this is my package. This is my instruction. God gives me one word every day. And I just ask him, Lord, what's the word for today? And he tells me a word. And I write the word down. I define it. I look it up. I look at the origin. I find scripture around that word. And I ask God how to live that word out. Or I wake up and I say, Lord, what you want to talk about today? And it can be anything, y'all. That's the other thing. That's the beauty of it. God is not in a box. He's too big for us to fit him in a box. So I might dance for worship or sing for worship or write for worship or read the word. It's so many different things because we all are different people. So the breakout from the church, it's not about the church and being bad because people are like, I ain't going to church because I'm my own church. That ain't, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is your relationship with God is as unique as your fingerprint. It has to be. If it was supposed to be cookie cutter, we would all look the same. We would all have the same fingerprints. We would all be the same, but we're not. But the way the world and the church has boxed us in to make us think that if we're not doing it this way, it's not God's way. That's a lie. It's a lie. And your freedom comes in conversations with your creator. He is the one who tells you who he created you to be. He is the one who tells you who you should marry, who you should divorce, if you should bring children into the world. Should you take this job? Should you move across the state? Should you stay in this city? Should you tell that person that they hurt you? Or should you keep it to yourself? It's just, it's so many things, but it's all authentically yours. And if you don't realize that, you will stay in bondage. And it's not a a fight for myself. I'm going to be myself. You're not going to hold me back. You know, I'm an independent woman. I'm a blah, 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 whatever. It's, it's It's not that. It's peace in it. It's not a fight in it. 
If you're fighting to be yourself, then you're being somebody else. It's peace. There's peace that comes with it. So ask God who, who he clothed you to be. Who did, what, what outfit did he make for you? Because everybody's wearing somebody else's outfit until God reveals to them their clothing. Who told you you were naked? God said to Adam and Eve in the garden. Who told you you were naked? So the, the opposite is true as you have become this person over these years. Who told you to put that outfit on? Ain't nobody tell you to put that outfit on. I have already prepared an outfit for you. I've already clothed you in my righteousness. So what are you doing? What are you doing? Take it off. Don't even hang it back in the closet. Burn it. Give it away. Do something else with it. And stand in the mirror in the outfit that God gave you. And live your life authentically. Because in close, I'm going to say this. The root word of authenticity is author. And the world makes you think that it's you making yourself into yourself. You're building yourself. You're, you come into the world as a blank slate and you get to build yourself into who you want to be. That's a lie. You didn't come into the world as a blank slate or as a blank piece of paper. You were created by the author. So in order for you to be authentic, you got to go to the author who is the original creator, who has already written your story down. He's already walked out your life. So stop worrying about what authenticity looks like to the world. Go to the author and ask, what does authenticity for me look like from you? And then have the courage to walk it out. I, okay. I'm trying to calm down. I am trying to calm down. First of all, I'm going to have to listen to this again so I could take notes. But I wanted to throw so many shoes at you just now. <laughs> I'm talking about so many shoes. Lord have mercy. Because whew, Holy Spirit is so good. The way, okay, when you said that about, you know, when you put on the outfit, but you already got an outfit on, that, that, that was like, oh, oh, that's, that's it. But the way, the way Holy Spirit just gave this to you, it was listen to me, listen to me. I know flesh and blood, they revealed that to you. That, oh Lord, <laughs> this is, mm, this blessed me. You hear me? This blessed me. This blessed my whole soul. My whole soul. Because Praise God. Not only, not only did it bring clarity, but it was confirmation. And I, I know, I know that what he shared, not only is it, because I know it was a blessing for both of us uh-huh. in this uh-huh. moment, but yeah. also to those who are struggling. There's so much meat in this. Like, so much me, so much me, and I'm so grateful. I just want to thank you, Vita, for coming on here, being authentically who the author created you to be. I thank you, my sister, for eloquently sharing your journey and where where God is continuing to bring you because he continues to show us what part of our outfit we have on that he didn't put on us. Mm-hmm. And so this is 
This is amazing. I am so grateful. I appreciate you so much. You cannot even understand in this moment how much how much this has blessed me. But I just want to thank you again. I thank everyone for listening. Um, this has been another episode of Authentically Erica with Erica Thomas. And hey, let us know your thoughts. Let us know what resonated with you. Let us know how we can be praying for you. I, all of my sisters are, are together to support each other. This is not the only platform. There will be more platforms to share and be to, uh, just to kind of round this all up. If you can share how the people can get in touch with you because there are parents, there are people that that need what you are offering. They need what God is giving you. Okay, so Building Brighter Kids was my original, is my original platform. So buildingbrighterkids.com, but God has totally, he's totally turning it upside down within the past week month like he's just he's peeling it off but you can get in touch with me through building brighter kids and you can also email me at building brighter kids at gmail.com you can follow me on instagram at bill bright kids well you can find me on facebook at building brighter kids so anything building brighter kids is connected to me right now (laughs) okay well thank you again i appreciate you so much and we will Definitely, definitely have to do this again because I know this story is evolving even as we speak and there's so much more to be shared. So once again, everybody, thank you all for listening and tune in next time where we continue on this journey of living from the inside out, being authentically all who God created us to be. This has been another episode of Authentically Erica with Erica Thomas. Join us next time as we continue on this journey of discovery, living from the inside out authentically.